On this episode of Bite Sized, we are watching and discussing the 22nd scene of the film Twilight. For those of you watching along at home, that is from 28 minutes and 22 seconds to 29.09. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of Bite Size. Thanks for bearing with me during the break. We are back. We are recording new episodes. We got even more episodes lined up to record, and I'm happy to be back here with you. For those of you joining us for the first time, hello and thank you. My name's Ben Abair. I am your host. Here's what's going on in the show. I am watching and discussing the movie Twilight one scene at a time in chronological order with a different guest every week. For them, it usually means getting about 90 seconds of the movie Twilight with zero context and then talking about it for about a half hour. Speaking of guests joining me today, we have an actor, writer, comedian, a playwright, and the editor of this very podcast, Ben Oksher. Thank you so much for being on Bite Sized. Thank you so much for having me on Bite Sized. It's a little surreal to be here. Is it? Why is that? Well, because up until now, I've been a part of the show. Yes. My voice has even occasionally popped up as I insert it without asking. Uh, But always appreciated. But I have never been an actual part of the conversation before. I've been on the outside looking in, my face pressed against the glass, Uh watching a warm family by the hearth discuss this vampire film. And now I'm finally on the inside singing carols of my own. Yeah, we're going to give you a bite of our hot soup. uh, I'm going to bite it. I'm going to bite that soup. I don't think you really need to bite soup. How? That's just going to click your teeth together in a weird and mm, uncomfortable way. If you're not biting soup, your soup's not thick enough. I guess so. That's a little cooking tip for you there this holiday season, everyone. Thicken, Thicken your, your soup so it's nice and toothsome. I'm going to start off this the way I start off every interview. That is by asking you, Ben Oksher, mm-hmm. what is your history with the Twilight franchise? My history with the Twilight franchise is very passive and very zeitgeist. Yeah. I never read the books. I never watched the movies. Mm. I was aware of them enough to know the memes and when doing improv shows to be able to riff on them and do jokes about them. Yeah. And that is the extent of my knowledge. There may have been a little bit of like, snootiness on my part of like Mm -hmm. that's probably dumb but i don't think i ever dedicated too much of my time or attention to trying to understand it did you have friends or family that someone close to you that was into it so that you could have that sort of closer exposure to it or are we just talking truly cultural osmosis here i don't remember talking to someone who was a real fan of it until i was in college yeah there was a girl in my theater department who was trying to describe it to me. And I just remember the conversation being along the lines of like, guys need to be more like Edward Cullen. And I was like, how? And she was like, just, you know, be hot and a vampire. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'm over two. And that was kind of the the end of that. (laughs) One of those things is attainable, I would argue, if very difficult. Yeah, but there's 
there's no way I'll ever be hot, though. Yeah. <laughs> Being a vampire, though. Vampirism is around the corner, so say science. Just hang out with some bats, and I'm sure it'll happen eventually. Mm-hmm. You're not a Twilight guy. No. And then I ask you to be part of this Twilight podcast. Yes. What was your initial reaction to that? Yes, my initial reaction was, okay, well, I know my friend Bear is... is is a funny and talented man, and uh, anything that he wants to get off the ground, I would love to be a part of that. I didn't think too much about the twilight of it all until I started delving in and actually editing the episodes. And here's the interesting part. Yes. I have still never seen the movies. Uh And so up until this clip, I've been enjoying it as a very slow radio play. Uh-huh. I have the clips in my mind that I have now heard many, many times. Yeah. But the images are entirely mental. Really? Yeah, because I haven't sat down to actually look at the stuff. I'm just listening to the clips and I have a f- I've been formulating this film in my own brain up until this point. What a fascinating way to experience a film. It is <laughs> Because here, I this whole time, I've been thinking, wow, what a stupid journey I've set upon for myself and mm-hmm. with little to no outside influence. What a, what a strange way to experience Twilight. And here you are doing it one step stranger because there is no video involved. It's been extraordinarily strange. And especially to experience it at the speed at which I am. Yeah. Not just the sort of time-warped speed of listening through entire episodes dedicated to moments. Yeah. But editing those episodes, meaning for a half hour show or so, spending, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two hours delving through that. And so it's as though the film Twilight is expanding into eternity right. for me. It's like Inception. Where when you're in a dream, you experience time differently than in real life. The clip itself is the innermost dream of the inception. Yes. And then the next level of dream is the finished episode. The level above that is the raw audio. And I'm delving through, through that. Let's get into the meat of the episode here, the clip we're talking about today. We're on the field trip at the greenhouse slash compost store. Yes. Or whatever it is. Bella is walking outside. There's a guy with a worm on a stick that holds it up to her. Bella, look. It's a worm. It's a worm. (laughs) You know, like you do when you're that age. Yeah. She talks to Edward. It doesn't go well. They get on the bus. That's it. That's the scene. A lot to dive into here. Yeah. Did you ever do gross stuff to try to impress people when you were a young lad? Did I do gross stuff to try yeah, to no, you know, like wiggle a worm at them or something? No, I wasn't a gross out kid. I was a I was a jokes I was a jokesman. Mm-hmm. My early attempts at that weren't great. I think I figured out what the cadence of a joke was long before I figured out what the structure sure, of a joke yeah. was. So I would kind of go around throwing out patterns of noise. Yeah. That seemed like they should get a laugh. And every once in a while, that would work. That was my road to attention. Definitely not worms and stuff. Those are gross. I don't, I don't want them. Get them out of my country. 
Right. How about you? Oh, there. I mean, I, worms are very important. No, I was also not a no, gross out. No, 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 no. I'm not moving on from that. Okay. Get the worms out of my country. I mean, they're very important to composting, as we learned in this story. What are you going to do? Okay. Send them. Send, where are you going to send all of our worms? I'm going to send them to Canada. Yeah. They got a lot of forest up there. Just to it's the nearest border. For, it's Forrest and Tim Hortons, and they can have either one, so far as I'm concerned. Just get them out of my yard. Okay. We have sidewalks for a reason, and that's for worms to die on. After it rains. I don't know why this is my thing. Yeah. I'm very pro-composting. But anti-worm. You can but be anti-worm. <laughs> I want to find alternatives to yeah. worms. You can I want to make nanobots that'll yeah. do the same thing and not be all slimy and have two hearts or whatever. Gross. Coming to you next from Ben Oksher, Compost GPT, an mm-hmm. AI that breaks down organic matter for you. Uh, I was not a gross out kind of kid. I would, you know, I'd like eat paper and stuff if I thought it was funny. Ah, uh, yes. But like holding bugs at people or whatever, or like catching snakes. There, I, I knew kids like that who would like grab a lizard and make it bite their ear and hold on like an earring. Oh, well, that's just... That was never my jam, though. That's just neat. I, like you, was also a jokester kid. Mm -hmm. And I sort of also sort of started to learn at an early age sort of how a joke functions. And like if I was hanging out with people and they started making jokes, I would try to like figure out what that joke was and then try to do it too. Yes. And I I have a lot of memories of being around the age of like... I don't know, 11 or 12-ish, hanging out with my brother and his f- friends who are were all like like a year or two older than me, and they would be making a joke, and I would try to make a joke too, and they would all get quiet, and then one of his friends would say, Ben killed the joke, and they said that. <laughs> but to be f- clear, to my brother and his wife who are n- listening now, my brother never got in on that. It was always his friends that I tried to impress when I was younger, and the older I get, the more I realize, oh, they were bullying me like the whole time. <laughs> Um, but Ben killed the joke was, uh, a recurring thing for like a couple years and now jokes on them. Cause I do comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it out. Now he kills jokes on stage. Now when I kill jokes, it's intentional because I think it's funny to watch the joke die in front yeah, of me and see the life go out of its eyes. Just like those useless worms. Just like those goddamn worms. That I will say mean. that when the kid holds out the worm, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if it was like a flirty thing or if it was what it was because it was so lackluster and so bereft of imagination i mean he looks he looks excited yeah but there's nothing to the bit there's no gimmick he literally just says look bella i'll worm and it's on a stick and that is that i mean sometimes that's all it need you need you know when you're that age um you don't know how to relate to other people right and it seems like showing someone a gross thing is you know an interesting thing to do that maybe will make them love you and that never works and that's not true if you're a young person listening to this that's never don't show people gross stuff and then hope that they'll like it no they are actually quite annoyed by it and you're gonna look back on one day and regret it yeah bella walks out to the parking lot of the compost place and we can see Edward walking very quickly behind her. Yeah. And he eventually catches up and starts off the conversation by saying, we shouldn't be friends. Bella, we, we shouldn't be friends. You really should have figured that out a little earlier. Which makes me wonder, 
do they think they're friends or do they think that anything they've done will lead them to become friends? Because in the entire almost half hour that we've seen them interact with each other, it's been weird, uncomfortable conversations that turn hostile almost immediately. There's that sort of attraction tension that can happen between Mm -hmm. two people, but it doesn't usually result in just constant insults. It's usually right. it's usually kind of a huh, well, I'm a little too hot under the collar being near you, so guess I'll go. But this is these two just every time they see each other, it's it's just hey, fuck you, no, yeah. fuck you, like go away, leave me alone. I yes. don't want anything to do with you. Stop saving my life, idiot. Yeah, like that's like the one thing. The saving her life is like the one thing that you could look at as a positive interaction, uh-huh. and. Even that is weird because he just sort of runs away at the end. Right. I wonder why. Does he think she thinks they're friends? I'm trying to understand the math here, and it doesn't work out. I think he thinks she thinks they're going to be friends. Okay. And he's trying to nip that in the bud. Yeah. Theory of mind here. Don't okay. I think. Yes. He thinks. Yes. She thinks. Following. They're going to be friends. But I think... She thinks mm-hmm. he thinks she's awful. So she doesn't think he thinks they're going to be friends. So he's cutting something off that she's not expecting. And she's angry that he's just now vocalizing it. Listener, if you followed uh, any of that, please diagram it and send it to me because I got lost after the second course of he thinks and she thinks. The gist of it is. It's weird that they're talking about being friends right now because clearly neither of them are in a good place. What she wants from him is information. Yeah. She wants information. She wants to know, how'd you get so zoomy? How'd Uh you get to be a big parking lot zoomy boy? Yeah. And he won't tell her, which reads as him being sort of cruel or careless toward her. And yet he saved her life, which is the ultimate sacrificial act as the bible tells us no that's not quite what it says yeah no greater love hath no man than this than to stop a van with his bare hands (laughs) then he goes zoom across the park yeah exactly that's in the bible (laughs) so so she's getting real mixed messages from him Uh uh-huh i guess if we were to put this in like metaphorical terms for the typical teen experience yeah maybe this is like he bought her a bunch of flowers and then left her on red. It's like, what's happening? I guess. These are very different messages you're sending me. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. And, you know, they're still like, I guess, technically teenagers, high schoolers, even though one of them is over 100 years old. Yeah. But they're still locked in that weird, again, just like the man with the worm. They don't know how to interact with other humans yet. Mm-hmm. They still clearly have a lot of figuring out to do. And it is one of those things where you, you know, you think maybe you can be friends with this person you clearly have nothing in common with and only fight with. And you'll learn one day that you don't have to try to be friends with everyone that you sit next to. Oh, you sure don't. Boy, howdy. I learned that the hard way in my biology class where my lab partner was also weirdly standoffish the whole time. And I tried my best to be friends with him. And then at the end of the year, I asked him to sign my yearbook and he wrote, Ben, I still don't like you. And then signed his name. (laughs) So 
I don't think he was a vampire. <laughs> what? It's true. I'll try to find it when I go home for Christmas in well, a couple of weeks. But somewhere in my parents' house is a yearbook where someone signed it. I still don't like you. <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I, people, I, the more I realize people were mean to me when I was a kid. I was gonna say, man, this is that's two, three strikes, and we gotta talk. This is also the same guy who sent me a Facebook message just sort of starting a conversation one day that completely surprised me because we were not friends on that level. And he asked, uh, it came to an end pretty quickly because he asked how I was doing and I said good. And he asked if I was, quote, macking on any girls and I said no. And the conversation sort of ended. I don't think that was him. <laughs> no, I think it was. I think that was somebody <laughs> using his account to, to get the Mac info. No, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was him because that was how he talked. He just despite the fact that we were all white homeschoolers. He was just like he was just like, hey, hey, man, I know that you and I were not that close, but some things some things transcend that sort of social relationship. Who are you macking? But like, did he really want to know? Because I think it was clear that I wasn't macking on any girls. And was he just sort of trying to ask to get me to admit that I was not so he could have a laugh at my misfortune? Or I think he thought yeah. that you thought uh-huh. that you were hot shit okay. and that you were going around macking. And he wanted to make sure that you knew that you weren't. Or uh-huh. there was a particular girl that he wanted to go macking and he wanted to make sure uh-huh. that you weren't you weren't already doing that because that would just ruin it. I mean, if the first one is true, that was unnecessary because I was well aware the number of girls I was macking on was zero because <laughs> I was too afraid. And frankly, before that Facebook message had never seen the word Mac in that context and no. could not define it if asked. It means buying McChickens for. Oh, I assumed it was some sort of kissing. No, what? No. When you If you're macking on a girl, you're buying her McChickens and tossing them out the the window of your moving car. It's not when you give someone a really loud wet kiss that sort of makes a Mac sound. <laughs> Absolutely not. What God. it is is you you roll up and you order yourself just a few of them spicy patties. Uh huh. Get a little shredded lettuce. Ask for a slice of American cheese if you're feeling especially adventurous. Yeah. And then out the window of your moving car as you pass by a girl that you fancy. Uh huh. You say Mackin. Yeah. And frisbee like. Uh huh. You toss the confections her way. Let's get back to Twilight as yeah. as much as I enjoy this discussion. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go way over time. Let's I'm go. fine Let's with that. Go. Just don't leave bad stuff in to make it longer, please, God, please. Fart, 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 fart. No, fart, fart, stop. Fart. Cut fart, that out. Fart, 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 Cut fart. it out. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Uh, they're talking about boy. I bet you wish you had not saved me, and you regret that. And Edward yes. gives what I think may be the best line of the movie so far. I mean, why didn't you just let the van crush me and save yourself all this regret? What do you think I regret saving you? I can see that you do. I just... I don't know why. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. <laughs> you really... Ex- then there's a pause there where you expect him to say something like, you don't know my thoughts, or you don't know how I feel. Yes. But he just says, you don't know 
anything. <laughs> you don't know how I've got parking lot zoomies. Mm-hmm. You also don't know how to find the hypotenuse. You also don't know what macking is. <laughs> you don't know what macking is. You don't know about the Mongolian Empire. Yeah. You don't know how snow is formed in the upper atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You don't know about trains. You don't know you d- about the band train. You don't know the capital of Azerbaijan. You don't know anything. You, don't you know stupid dumbass. Anything. Such a powerful way to really talk to someone that thinks you're going to be friends, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess maybe he's just really trying to slam that door. Yeah. It's as though he were a secret agent, right? Uh-huh. And he got he got too close to someone that uh, to a civilian. Yeah. And now he's realizing but if I get her mixed up in my world, then, you know, she becomes a target. I can't have that. So he has to act unnecessarily cruel to drive her away. But really, it's for her own safety. Yeah. I mean, that's a charitable reading of this. I was going to say it's like the movie Airbud when he tries mm. to make Airbud go away. Yes. And so he yells and he tries, you know, he tries to do it nice, the nice way with the garlic dipping sauce and throwing the basketball out in the woods but also he does the whole yell i don't want you to get out of here you know yeah typical yeah. harry and the hendersons type behavior right it would be pretty great to have a scene in this movie in which edward were just yelling at bella at the edge of the woods screaming don't you see we don't want you anymore i think it would be even better if he took Bella out into the woods and set down a big paper cup of garlic butter dipping sauce and oh then God. ran away while she, while she was licking it up. God damn it, that would work on me. That would, that, that would work on me so good if you absolutely. brought me out somewhere and you just gave me a dipping sauce of butter garlic. Yeah. Oh boy, I'd, it'd be a long moment before I realized I'd been left to die. It would work on me in multiple ways because um, that was always, to me, the saddest part of the movie Air Bud and maybe Mm. any movie ever. And still just thinking about it makes me sad. Very sad. I don't get sad at movies unless there's like an animal being abandoned. Then I get very sad. Like the beginning of Oliver and Company is the worst Mm -hmm. thing that's ever happened to movies. I hate it. It shouldn't be allowed. That shouldn't be legal. You shouldn't get to show cruelty to creatures on a screen unless they're worms. <laughs> unless they are worms, in which case you should abandon them across Ugh. the nearest country line. Shoot them into the sun. <laughs> That's drastic. One at a time, or are you going to have to collect the worms first? Obviously not. That's inefficient. <laughs> yeah, very clearly. You're going to have to collect them into a silo-like rocket over uh-huh. time and then blast them all off into the sun during a, uh, during which there will be a festival of celebration Okay, that will bring the global community together in their hatred of those damn Wiggly Boys. Alice and Jasper show up and are like, hey, is everything, how's it going? Is everything cool? Hi. Um, are you going to be riding with us? No, our bus is full. In front of an empty bus. As far as we can tell, it's empty. And then he bangs on the door to be let in. Yes. And I get that, like, he's just saying the our bus is full as a way of, like, rudely saying you're not welcome to sit on our bus. But yeah. it really raises a lot of questions like... Why does he get to decide what best bus she's on? Well, don't the Collins take their own special bus? Isn't that something? Yeah, like on the way to, for some reason, on the way to the field trip a couple scenes ago, 
we see everyone get on one bus and that bus fills up and like the six Cullens get on an equally large bus that apparently is just going to have them on it. See, that's very confusing to me. I understand why like, you know, certain elements of their life they can't portray in front of other people. I understand why they have to sit in the cafeteria and pretend to eat and that's better done at a distance or whatever. But you can just be on a bus. You can. Do, do vampires sit when they're on a bus? Do they just start going ah, ah, and like flapping their wings? It's possible. Is the bumpiness of the road and the lack of seatbelts something that just tumbles them into their beast form temporarily? Maybe, maybe you'll, you know, sit too close to one and feel the cold skin and start to wonder what's going on. Oh boy, that could be, that might could be it. But also like, while they're doing this, we see other students just sort of hanging around, enjoying the wonderful world of composting. Mm-hmm. There's no like teacher. Mr. Molina is not there trying to get everyone onto buses. No. Bella and the vampires just sort of decide time to leave now. It's time for us to go. Can they do that? I mean, they can. Clearly, they got all kinds of privileges not afforded. I guess. To the rest of the student body. This pack of yahoos. They get their own bus, they call their own shots, they eat their pretend food. It sort of feels like like they're at a wedding, and there's a shuttle from the reception to the hotel that's just yes. doing laps, and they oh go out God. to the bus, and they're like, take us back to the hotel, please. And he's just like, I don't know, I gotta get out of here. There's a bunch of worms at the reception. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as happens. I was going to say, I don't think that you can just like pound on the the bus door. No, that's rude to the bus driver for one. I was going to say, I don't think that's how school buses work. But look, this is the part where I should probably mention to our viewing viewer, our listening viewer. God, who is watching all of this. Bear and I have quite a few similarities in our pasts. Not just first names. Not just first names. Bear, you've mentioned several times as you talk to guests about their high school experiences, yes. that you yourself were homeschooled yep. and uh, a lot of this is sort of alien to you. A, retur- a recurring topic of conversation on this show is that I was homeschooled for my entire education experience until college and I don't know how real schools work. Yes. So samesies for me. Yeah. I actually, for later in high school, I did go to a private school but it was teeny tiny i graduated in the class of nine people mm-hmm. it was like half a degree away from homeschooling i would say uh, i think you currently hold the record for smallest graduating class beating my 12 yeah yes! so congratulations i will say also yeah technically i don't know if it counts because technically that number does not include me okay i didn't technically graduate high school because when i went to this private school i had already been homeschooling for a little bit and this i didn't find this out until years later Uh uh-huh but because i came in late i had not technically taken all of the classes that would have qualified me to graduate under that school's standards and there's no mechanism under missouri law for uh, someone to get a homeschool a homeschooled high school diploma yeah so technically I never graduated high school. Did you get a diploma of some sort? No. Did they you let walk me in walk. a ceremony? Okay. Yeah, they let me walk because there were nine of us. Yeah. <laughs> what were they going to do? Have only eight walking? That's ridiculous. There were nine of us. I had a 4.0. They weren't going to say, sit down 
and watch the rest of them. But it was like two years later when I dis- I asked my mom, I don't remember why I wanted it, but I was like, mom, where's my high school diploma? She's like, you don't have one of those. <laughs> I said, what? She was like, you didn't graduate. It's like, but I'm in college. How did that happen? She's like, I don't know. What did you tell the college then that you actually I told them my GPA and my ACT score and that uh, I was willing to go into insane amounts of debt for a decision I didn't currently understand. That's fair. Last question before we get back on topic and end the episode. How long did your graduation ceremony last if there were nine people walking? 45 seconds? I mean, the walkie part was real short. You, yeah. know, what, you know what stretched into eternity yeah. was the speech, which was given... I, I think there was a student speech in there, but that's not the one I remember. What I remember was someone who was very involved in the school who was a pastor, and he went up there and gave the most dour, depressing, hopeless uh-huh. speech I have ever heard that essentially boiled down to, look, if you think you're about to go out into the world and enjoy your life, you're being frivolous, and you need to shut that down. Uh-huh. And as I sat there listening to this, I realized I cannot wait to get out of here and go literally anywhere. Uh-huh. And this is where I've ended up, and I'm so happy. So you're saying he was wrong? He was wrong. I'm I'm out here. I'm doing jokes with my buds yeah. on podcasts and hating on worms, and he can't stop me. There's nothing he can do. And I'm not killing jokes and macking on one girl. <laughs> so ah, yeah, yeah. That'll show you people who talked to us when we were young. You're macking on live TV. Oh, at least once, uh, twice, if you think about it. All right, let's wrap things up the way we always do. Last question. If you had to give this na- episode, this clip a name, what would it be? And this is going to be the name of the episode, so make it good. And you've heard me ask 21 other people this question, so it better be really good. Worms of endearment. Worms of endearment. Explain that. Well, it, the thing involves worms. Yeah, it sure does. And yeah. it's a fun pun. Uh, yeah, and terms of endearment are like, you know, sweet sweet names and phrases. Yeah, like we shouldn't be friends and you don't know anything. That those in love often exchange, but see what they're exchanging, mm. even though there is some sort of spark or tension in the air, is sort of the opposite of a term of endearment. It's kind of a worm of endearment. It is a worm of endearment, if you think yeah. about it. That's deep. I'm going worms of endearment. Yeah, okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Ben Oksher, if people like you and your stance on worms and want to find out more about the things that you do in your day-to-day life and pr- professionally, creatively, where can they do that? See, I don't have a good answer for this because I've stopped using social media almost entirely yeah. for the sake of my mental health. But uh, I'll just hit you with this. Right now, I've got a show that I really, really love. It's called script an ai comedy show we use and you've been involved in this i have we use a combination of human and bot creativity and we have actors cold read the scripts that result it's a lot of fun we are doing it every month at the lincoln lodge in chicago you can go to lincolnlodge.com or bit.ly slash lincoln lodge script and check it out i would really mean a lot to me if you would come see it sometime Okay. Uh, anything else you want to promote? Kill those worms, shoot them into the sun. Kill, shoot worms into the sun. And while you're doing that, uh, if you want to follow the show on social media, you can do that at bitesizedpod underscore on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter technically, but there's nothing going on there, so why would you? 
Don't follow the show on Twitter. It's a waste of time, like worms. If you want to reach out to the show and tell us that we did anything wrong or explain Ben's sentences to me, you can send an email to myfavoritetwilightpodcast at gmail.com. I'll read it. If I like it, I may even read it on the show. Thank you very much to my editor, Ben Oksher, who's you right here right now. Oh, no! for editing this show. Thank you to the band Swimwear Department for their song Mauled to Death that we use as our theme. Give them a listen wherever you listen to music. They were in my Spotify wrapped recently, so I listen to them more than you. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best way for uh, the show to continue existing and thriving and growing. Just over the last few weeks, as we've been between episode releases, I've still seen the show expand and get listeners in places where there had not been listeners before, and I can't tell you how encouraging that is to me. It is truly the reason I keep doing this dumb thing I decided to do. That is it. That is all we have for today for this episode of Bite Sized. Until next time, as we always say at the end of every episode, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. See you next time. Fart, 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 fart.